Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you flip open with me to uh, Acts chapter 24. And if you don't, they'll be, uh, it'll be on the side screen beside us. We've been going through, of course, Acts for the last year. Uh, and Yeah, for the last year. And uh, hey, the whole entire book is based on one verse, which is found right behind me on this screen or on these... Uh, what do you call those? Banners. But it'll also be on the screen here. And I'd love to read it together as a church. It's uh, Acts 1.8. And this is what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the whole point of Acts is telling the church that, hey, you guys are witnesses. Doesn't always say that, like, we're good witnesses, but the, the idea is this, is that God has set the church up to be his witness, telling people about him. And so, uh, it's not much different today, and like I told somebody in my office this morning, I, I feel as if I'm sometimes a broken record because it keeps coming back to the same thing. It, it comes back to, this is how you share Jesus, and when you share Jesus, then this is going to happen. You'll either get persecuted, people will either turn, and people will start rejoicing, or you just kind of like are kind of left wondering out there, and it's not much different. We can we continue to walk in um, kind of this narrative of Paul when he's in jail. And last week we kind of left off of the fact that he got passed off from one governor to another uh, into a different area. And now he's been sitting there and we left off with the guy saying, hey, we'll uh, bring you to trial, but we're going to wait until your accusers come and you're, they're able to um, accuse you of things. But before we get into that, I, I kind of want to go into this idea of the title of the sermon because you're going to look at this uh, title of the sermon and you're going to go, that has nothing to do what he's talking about for the first like 25 minutes of this sermon. Actually, I have, yeah, I have 25 minutes. Nice. Um, and so uh, for the first 25 minutes of this, and it, it'll be appear to the end. And so I'm going to kind of throw this out there. So um, we have this saying in my family uh, when we tell the kids to do something and they don't get on it right away, right? So like we tell uh, our kids, because we homeschool, hey, you need to get your schoolwork done. Or uh, we'll say, hey, why don't you get your chores done, right? Every week, Silas says the chore that he's on is the worst chore ever, right? So it doesn't matter whichever one. It's super cool. I, I love that kid. At least he's consistent. And so uh, one of the things that we say to our kids is delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And so sometimes our kids will catch on with that right away and they'll go, oh yeah, I'm being disobedient. Sorry, I'll go do exactly what you want, right? Or they'll just look at me like they 
don't understand a single thing I'm saying. But last night is a perfect example, right? We, uh, our family loves the Christmas season, okay, because Hallmark comes out with their sappy Mar Vista, you know, movies, and we get to just watch them like crazy and keep on, I mean, trying to search. It's almost like we spend more time looking for the sappiest romance movie, and Ava loves them, and Silas and Noah, even though they're like, why? They still watch them with us. And so anyway, but we get done watching it, right? Like our family, like we're, we, we get done watching it and it's probably a little too late and we're like, okay, everybody get to bed. And they're just hanging out. They're like, how about we watch another one? And I look at Virginia, I'm like, I'm game for it. It's like 1040, but I mean, this one's an hour and a half. We're good. Like I can stay up till midnight. And uh, Virginia's like, are you, are you serious? And I was like, okay, we'll go to bed. But um, I tell the kids, hey, get to bed. And they're just kind of looking at me. They're just wanting to hang out. And I'm like, all right, you guys should go to bed. And they just keep on having fun, right? Grandma and Grandpa are still, were still in town, and last night they left this morning, and they're just having lots of fun. And so finally I said, okay, I'm counting to three. I'm counting to three, and then we're going to give out the five-finger discount in my family, right? The five-finger discount is uh, swat on the butt. And, uh, and Noah just looks at me, and he's just like, he's just like, try me right? He's just like, you can't lift more than 10 pounds, right? And so now we make a game of this, right? Like we're running back and forth and we're making a game of it. But the fact is, is that literally we did not get, I mean, it is 1030, right? I did not get them into bed until 1115. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the, like, come on, why can't we just do this? And this idea of, hey, why are we so disobedient? Sometimes that there, there are things that come in, like my kids want to have fun and, and they want to be able to, or sometimes they're just belligerent, right? They do not want to do it. But I don't think it's much different for us as God's over and over telling us, hey, how about this? Hey, why don't you try this? Hey, when you're in this situation, why aren't you doing these things? And we sit there and we say, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll be distracted by something else or maybe another time. Delayed obedience is still disobedience, and, and it is very interesting how much I come across people, and I, and I sit there, and they say things like, yeah, I believe there's a God, and, and it's been interesting to me that lately I've, I've come to the conclusion of, well, then what are you doing to get to know that God? Right? Let's, let, let's just even start there with you. I was driving in a vehicle the other day with, with somebody, and, and they just said, yeah, I'm, I'm not into labels. I'm just, I'm, I'm into, yeah, but I, I believe there's a God. And, and, I, and I looked at him, and, and I, was such a, I was such a wussy when I said this. I said, yeah, I don't believe in labels either, but I, I think you should get to know God a little bit more. And he, and then all of a sudden I just stopped, right? I stopped asking him more questions. I started asking him like, hey, how would you get to know God a little bit more? Or all these different things. And, and because in, in Jeremiah we see that it says, literally it says, if you seek God with all of your heart, you will find me. Right? It's not, it's not okay just to go, yep, I believe in, I believe in a God. Well, are you searching God at all? Or do you just believe in him? And I think today, as we dive into this, I think we start to realize a little bit of, hey, we have, we kind of have a, 
a command, if you will, to say, are you searching this God out? Are you spending all of, not all of your energy, but yeah, are you seeking God with everything you have? Or are you just saying, hey, I'm going to have a slice of God with, uh, I'm going to have a slice of God with the rest of the buffet of my life. And so uh, that's exactly where Paul finds himself in this moment. We, we see two ways that Paul does it. Paul shares uh, Jesus with the people that he's being accused by, but then also he, he, uh, he goes on and we see somebody else, uh, somebody else on the other side of things absolutely denying Jesus um, with his life, but he doesn't do it in a way that you would go, yep, he's denying Jesus. He, just, he simply just delays obedience. And so let's uh, pick it up together, and we're going to read in verses, this one's going to be the longest one we have today, but um, I promise I'll unpack it with us. But we're going to read it, verses 1 through 21, and this is what it says. Five days later, Ananias the high priest arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyers, and the lawyer Tertullius, to present their case against Paul, the governor, to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullius presented the charges against him, Paul in the following, uh, following adju- Paul, sorry, oh, I should probably go a little bit slower. Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. You have provided a long period of peace for us Jews, and with foresight you have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, Your Excellency, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus said was true. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense to you before, my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me, found me arguing with anybody in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or in the street of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing, but I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe in the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. After several, year, after several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with my money, with money, to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. There are no crowd, there was no crowd around me and no rioting, but some Jews from the province of Asia were were there and they ought to be here to chart to bring charges if they have anything against me. Ask these men hear what crime the Jew, the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. First of all, I love Paul's response in this because once again, like I asked you guys la- last week is, what would your response be if you were on trial? 
If you were caught being a Christian, how would your response be? And Paul does it with peace and with grace, but also there's, there's kind of three things that he just automatically responds to right away. In the, and he's been charged with three things, right? So this lawyer comes up and he says, three things that we have a problem with Paul on, right? That he's a world-renowned troublemaker. Okay, we've talked about this, oh, probably seven chapters ago when we talked about are you or are we troublemakers? Can people look at us and go, hey, they are troublemakers? And then he goes on to say that the Paul is a leader of a dangerous cult who is against Rome. And thirdly, Paul even tried to desecrate the Jewish temple, and that's why we're here. To us, we would look at that and go, well, that's not a big deal. And in fact, actually, the governor later on, uh, we know, says, hey, you know what? Um, I'm just going to excuse you guys. I'll take care of Paul myself. You guys go, you guys go home. And we're going to look at that in the next section of the scripture. But there are three things, or there, in answer to his three things, I think Paul does a really good job of sharing the gospel, actually is sharing his faith, how to share Jesus in the moment of, of not just always saying, oh, well, this is the gospel, but actually sharing, this is what I believe. This is how I live my life. And so to the first response, Paul was a world-renowned troublemaker. He says this, he goes, I've really only been in this area back in Jerusalem for 12 days. And so if you go back and look at some of the time that he was, he was there, it was two days here, three days there doing, I mean, he's been seriously with, uh, he's been under arrest for five of those 12 days, and now it's been two other days that he's sitting here in front of Governor Felix and, and all of these things. And so how much time do I have to even create a riot, right? I, I don't have time to be able to do that. And I've pretty much been in the temple. And so if you guys want to accuse me of rioting, you guys don't know what I've done anywhere else because you haven't been there. And according to this, you guys have nothing. Great. Awesome. I love how Paul it does a great job of cutting the legs out. Okay. Great. Number two. Paul was a leader of a dangerous cult and was, an, was anti-Rome. And this is where it gets really good. I love this because if you're taking notes, this is exactly what he says, kind of in a short, quick 14, verses 14 through 16. In two verses, he literally just kind of goes on and says, I actually am not that much different. He says this, he goes, yes, I believe in the way. And that's what they called it, right? They, they, they didn't, the, the term Christian wasn't really out there yet. And so there was this, uh, this idea that the way meant the, the way of Jesus, following the way of Jesus. And so he goes on in those four verses, and I'll, or those two verses, and I'll read them really quickly to you. It says this, But I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. And so in answering this, he says, here's the deal. If the Jewish way is anti-Rome, then the Jews are anti-Rome, and so you should kick them out too. You should get them in trouble too, really is what he's saying. But here is the formula that he uses, okay? 
The very first one, if you're taking notes, talk about God. And so this is what he says right away. He says, I believe in the exact same God that the Jews believe in, the one true God. I wonder how many of us in all of our conversations kind of can bring up over and over again how God has affected our lives. We did uh, on Wednesday night at our Thanksgiving Eve service, we did a, uh, when we were sitting around eating pies, we asked people to talk about, hey, when is it that you needed something from God and God responded? Do we have those things on our lips always? Do we talk about how God is transforming us? Is, is he always on our lips? In Deuteronomy, when we do, even when we do uh, baby dedications, we talk about, would you talk about God everywhere you go, all the time? And so he brings up right away, okay, here's the deal. I may follow the way, and yes, I follow the God of our ancestors, the one true God. And then he goes on to say, I also follow what the scriptures say. Here's what we know as scriptures, and I live my life towards that way. But then this is when he goes on something different. He starts to share his hope. He says, I share my hope in the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous, just like the Jews do. And later on, because I didn't read this, uh, later on, because I didn't read this in verse 14 through 16, he says, but I believe that it's because of Jesus Christ that the resurrected, resurrected of the dead will happen. And so he shares his hope, right, that, hey, one day all of us will be judged by God. All of us will have, have a, a hope in knowing that this isn't the end, that we just don't die, but in heaven we're with God forever. It is interesting to me is I, I've been really thinking about where is our hope a lot more. Especially because of Advent, but other things that are just in my life. Where is your hope? And I know that it is interesting that we live in a world that says, hey, hope for a brighter future. But where is your hope? Because what if your brighter future doesn't come? Is that okay? Because I think he responds lastly with sharing his hope. And the last one is, is that he lives for Christ until his return. He lives for Christ until his return. And so as he goes on in this trial, he, he then kind of actually just kind of really quickly, not really quickly brushes over that, but he says, hey, if this is what gets them in trouble, then I, I'm, or if this is what's getting me in trouble, I'm not different than them. I just happen to believe in Jesus Christ. I happen to believe in Jesus Christ. Did I say as? In Jesus Christ. And so the third thing that he actually gets in trouble for is that he's desecrated the Jewish temple. In fact, actually, he sits there and goes, I did not actually defile the Jewish temple at all. I even brought money 
to support the people. And so I, I, who, would, who would drop off money and then desecrate the temple? I even went in there for purification rites. And, and the people that were around me that knew what I was doing are not here to accuse me of anything. And so if you'd like to go talk to them, uh, they can come here. But the rest of the people that are in this room right now weren't anywhere near me. And so I was not desecrating the temple. I love how Paul is always willing to point back to the scriptures, back to God, back to his hope, back to Jesus Christ. Because he ends with going, the only thing I'm guilty of is shouting. The only reason why I'm on trial today is because I believe in the resurrection. And so we pick it up in verse 22 and it says, At that point Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, Wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives. Then I will decide the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, he listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus, as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment. Felix became frightened. Go away from me, he replied. Oh, sorry, go away for now, he replied. And when it's more convenient, I call you, I will call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent for him quite often and talked with him. After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. This is a story of a person straight up denying Jesus Christ for, for two years. And then we don't know what else afterwards. The Holy Spirit comes and tells it and gets him scared a little bit because it says in verse 25, and Felix became frightened. And then he says, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. Go away. And this is where delayed obedience is still disobedience. Because if you want to know how to deny Jesus, the first thing is this, is to turn a blind eye to the truth. Is to turn a blind eye to the truth. I love this, like, I love this story because A, is he's been looking at the truth. Felix is, uh, Governor Felix is sitting there and he's been a judge of the Jewish world for a long time. He knows, it even says in verse, uh, verse 12 that he knows about the way. He's actually quite familiar with the way. And so when Paul just gives his whole entire discourse... And the only thing that Felix does is he says, okay, well then, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm going to give you as much room as you want, Paul, to kind of go, which is really saying, Paul, you could run away if you want. Like, Paul had all the, all, all the ability to have a jailbreak, right? Anytime he wanted. Felix just doesn't want to deal with it. And I love, I love this. I love how Paul just goes, no, I'll stick around for a while. All my needs are being met. You guys are feeding me. You guys are clothing me. All that sort of stuff. And I'll be okay. 
And Felix has to deal with the truth being with him over and over again. He even brings his wife in, and he keeps on talking about the way over and over and over again for two years. And he just turns a blind eye to it. Which then brings me to my last point of how to deny Jesus. And that way is this. is procrastinate. Just procrastinate. This one probably gets me the most afraid. Because I think that it's a lot easier probably just to turn a blind eye and walk away. But procrastination is something totally different. Procrastination means that I know that I'm supposed to be obeying, but I'm not doing it. It looks like this, actually. It looks like procrastination really hardens the heart against the knocking of Jesus. You know he's there. You know he's knocking, but you're sitting there going, no, I don't need to obey right now. Sometimes we take it like this. Paul in uh, Romans says, do we just keep on sinning so that grace can abound more? No, actually, we do what God is calling us to do. And so we don't procrastinate. We don't delay on the things that he's asking for us. The second thing procrastination does is it delays, sorry, delays, distract, sorry. Oh, my goodness, I cannot read my notes today. Basically, delaying distracts the mind with less important issues. It means that we go and work on the trivial things instead of actually doing what we should be doing. How many of you guys try to focus on doing, try to not focus, but trying to do multiple things at one time, right? There's women around here that are like, I, I can multitask all day long. And there's men in here that be like, I can multitask all, light, all day long. It just takes me three days to do it, right? We all of a sudden become enamored with the less important issues, or it's just easier to deal with those less important, less important issues. We're just completely distracted. Some of us even, uh, I know I've talked to people who have just said, hey, I will, I will look into that on my deathbed. I'll wait till the end to finally do that. Because if you're saying that God does, uh, God does forgive me, then that's okay. I'll just wait till then. problem is is that procrastination all of a sudden the deadline comes up on us and then we're in a hurry and that's not the way to live trust me I know I wrote a lot of papers on the last minutes and maybe the reason why this scares me the most is because I really am the king of procrastination sometimes and in closing I just uh Chuck Swindoll writes this, and I really love what he writes. He says, procrastination is unbelievably common in religious circles. Intellectual discussions, materialistic motivations, horizontal preoccupations. People feel good about raising money for good causes, discussing deep subjects and pleasing people, yet they never plan to say, before God, I am guilty. I open my life. I bow before him. I ask him to do radical things in my life, my home, my business, my social contact, because I want to be a disciple of Jesus. 
one day will be your last to heed the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have not, don't delay. There is a heaven and there is a hell and there is a hurry. And the reason why there's a hurry is not because, uh, because we're just trying to get people afraid. The reason why there is a hurry is because, once again, there's so much to do. There's so much in which I think that God is calling us into that says, hey, would you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outer ends of the earth? In every realm, are you sharing Jesus? Or are we just going by through life waiting for the moment in which we're done? It's all over. Paul later on in some of his letters, and he writes a lot of these letters in the two years that he's sitting in these prisons and when he's in Rome and all that sort of stuff, he, he writes these letters and says, hey guys, I'm running a race in which God has called me heavenwards towards. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep attaining the prize in which he's called us towards. It's to share the gospel. It is to be able to give hope. It is to be able to bring joy. It is to be able to talk about God and how he's changed our lives over and over again. But we don't want to deny Jesus and we, won't, we don't want to deny the truth or procrastinate. We want to seek God with absolutely everything. Matthew 6.33. Seek God with all of your heart. And all these things will be added unto you as well. I was kind of worried about this one because it's not the it's not the most like, oh, this is an amazing part of scripture. This is really fun to do. <laughs> but I, when I look at it more and more, I think to myself, going, man, in this season, I don't want to procrastinate. I don't want to lose any moment to be able to say to everybody, hey, there's a reason why we celebrate Christmas, and it's Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about the hope I have because of him. But instead, I find myself, when people ask me how I'm doing, I usually find myself going, hey, just living the dream. Same old, same old, getting really tired. And that's really not true. It's just because I don't have probably the joy that I need to from God in that moment. And I want to invite God into my life at any moment to be able to do that, to be able to share Jesus, to be able to throw that out there to people to go, hey, this will change your life. And I don't want to procrastinate and I don't want to throw the truth out there and give up because I think somebody's denying it. But keep on going over and over again, even if it takes two years or more. Hey, have you considered Jesus Christ yet? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and we're going to sing a song called Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. And it's simply just the idea of where are you at right now in that process? Where do you need to go, God, I need you to open the eyes of my heart because I am not doing well. So let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I need you to change my heart. I need you to help me with my delayed obedience. I also need you to help you, you to help me with my disobedience. 
God, would we not procrastinate any longer? But would we take on the character of you? And would we, would we hold truth? Would we hold fast to your truths? That you are saving us and that your blood does cover us and that one day when you come, our hope will not be in vain. Lord, we love you and praise you. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.